This morning's New Testament lesson comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. Listen for the Word of God as it touches your hearts, your minds, and your souls. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, but others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And Jesus said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. My friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I've spent a lot of time reflecting, reading, studying over these past 15 years, like no other time in my life, not even while I studied to become a doctor, or an economist, or an engineer, or a business person. For five years of that time, while I was in seminary, I wrote the equivalent of three sermons per week, and a real one. Yes, per week. Per week. I took languages that I never thought I could learn at the age of 50. I dissected the Bible, I read others' take on the Word, I listened to the Word, I listened for the Word, and I discerned a call that was made of me very late in life after being abundantly blessed by God with a successful secular and lay leader career. I often called out, Lord, you call, but where is and how can I do the call that you make of me? I continue to study, to read, to listen, to discern. Yes, folks, I discern the call of God every single day. I marvel that God has called me here to this place to stand in front of you folks every Sunday to bring you a message, God's message. And I pray each day that in the moment I can step aside and let the Holy Spirit take over and open someone's heart. And usually it's mine. In stepping aside and opening our eyes and ears and minds, that we can find that Jesus gave us, gave us, you and I, the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus reminds us the importance of what our goal of believers should be, needs to be, and absolutely is. 
Our goal, our mission, our call is not to try to increase our numbers for numbers sake. Our goal, our mission, our call is to absolutely, positively open the doors of this place to all of God's people. And God's place, notice that this is God's place, not our place. We have been called to this place. Notice, it's God's place. Let the Holy Spirit move to push and pursue and change people's hearts. That's what we're called to do. Let them come and let the Holy Spirit do its work through us. Our call is to preach the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth, to make disciples, students of the faith. And God wants us to walk out of these doors, the four walls of this church, so filled with the Spirit that we just can't wait to spread the good news, to spread the word. We, we know and feel the change in our hearts, and it's done so much, so much, that we cannot wait to share the experience. Sometimes, especially we pastors, have gotten in the way. We tend to get in the way of the Holy Spirit. We have our own visions, our own thoughts of what Christianity should look like. We fight over theology. We fight and split into different denominations because we focus on different tenets of faith. Who does and who does not belong? Who does and who does not believe the correct way and practice the true faith? And who does and who does not interpret the scriptures correctly? Oh, and that list goes on and on and on. And we split because of what happens at this communion table. Even what we call that piece of furniture. We've split. Instead of remembering what God did and does for us. We intertwine the politics of the day. We maneuver and jockey into positions of power and strength as to sway the direction we think the church of Jesus Christ should take, all the while we take our eye off of the prize, the prize of the kingdom of God, in which our Savior has passed on to us the keys to the kingdom. Today we embark on a new Sunday school year. Today is the day, and it's exciting, at least for me, it was really exciting. I couldn't wait to get to today, to see how many people returned to go to Sunday school. The session was excited. The Christian Education Committee was excited. The teachers are excited. I know the teachers are excited because they couldn't wait to get back to class. And my hope is the students, both young and old, are equally excited. You know, one of my favorite movies, in fact, it ranks in the top three. One of my favorite movies, is The Field of Dreams. The Field of Dreams that stars Timothy Busfield. I went to school with Timothy, Timothy Busfield. He was a grade younger than I, yes. And there were some other actors in the movie like Kevin Costner and James Earl Jones and Ray Liotta, Amy Madigan, and there was some guy, some old guy, some old guy named Burt Lancaster. The promise and whispering in this movie, if you build it, he will come. The build it, of course, is the baseball field that Kevin Costner's character build, builds. But you and I need to determine who it was built for. Was it built for Costner? Was it built for the old players, Doc? 
Costner's dad, the, uh, the economy, Busfield's change of heart. It's a magnificent movie. Friends, friends, Jesus Christ has asked you, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. The good news, the good news is we need not wait like the disciples needed to wait. We are already there. We are already there. Our Messiah and Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, was tortured and crucified, rose again 2,000 years ago for each of us, the world, so that our sins are forgiven, our eyes and hearts are opened, so that we might perceive and receive the keys to the kingdom of heaven. You and I are all called to answer the same question that was posed to Peter that very day. But who do you say that I am? We gather today because of so many others that have received the keys of the kingdom to heaven. They taught us, they worked with us, they helped build this place. Many of you helped build this place. Because they heard the call, they heard the words, and experienced the Holy Spirit. The answer we give is not an answer that is revealed to us by any pastor or by any Sunday school teacher by any board member, by any elder, or perhaps a deacon, or a lay person, although they were the vehicle, we are able to answer that question that Jesus poses to us because of God, our loving, omnipotent God. There was a pastor this week that wrote a blog that when I read it, it just... It moved me. I, I, if I'd have had his telephone number, I would have called him up and thanked him. Quinn Caldwell is a pastor up in New York. And he wrote this story, if you would, as he reflected on something that happened here in Florida. Earlier this summer, two women visiting Panama City Beach heard screams and saw two young boys out in the surf, in the riptide, They'd been caught in that riptide and couldn't get back. They were yelling and screaming because they were getting ready to drown. So the two women went out on their boogie boards to try to save them. They, too, got stuck. Multiple other rescue attempts failed, and there were nine people caught in the rip current in Panama City. And that's when the people on the beach heard and realized that the screaming, there was no single person that was going to be able to save them. So the problem was bigger than just one swimmer. Even a strong one could handle. So one by one, ten by ten, they linked their arms, forming a human chain, reaching out towards the stranded swimmers. And having made their bodies into one superhuman body, they plucked the swimmers, all nine of them, from the water. And they passed them along the line back to shore. Not one person died that day. They were all saved. There are problems in this world that a body cannot handle alone. There are situations that cannot be saved by a single person. There are currents that you can never swim your way out of. 
And that is why God gave us the church. I honestly and truly believe that. That's why God gave us the keys to the kingdom of heaven, where God calls us to link ourselves together, arm in arm, even though we might sit pews apart, we are arm in arm together. We've linked ourselves up into the body and we can perform miracles that none of us could ever perform alone. Think of all the people that we have fed in just the last couple months out of a blessing box up in the administration building. Every day we fill that with food we have fed countless people. I couldn't have done it alone. You couldn't have done it alone, Norm. Rod, you couldn't have done it alone. But together, as we pool our resources, as we gather as the church, we can perform miracles. For the church, it doesn't exist for your salvation. It exists to give you a way to participate in saving the world. And that's what it means to have the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Not just to preach the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but to be the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Friends, God revealed, reveals, and will continue to reveal the keys to the kingdom of God in and through all of us. God loves us that much. The keys to faith, the keys to life, the keys to eternal life. That Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Messiah, and our Lord and Savior. So God must be the center in our lives to realize that only God has the power to bring people to us. God is the only one that can soften people's hearts. And God is the only one that can enliven those hearts. For God chooses this place to be one of God's houses. And he whispered to folks, build it and I will come. This is one of the places where he calls us to go forward and go forth in our faith. And it urges us to be baptized and to baptize so we can keep our eye on the prize. The prize of the kingdom of heaven where we have eternal life and we sit with God and all the saints that came before us and those that will come after us. And I pray that our hearts are so moved, so soft, softened, so energized with his energy, his wisdom, his strength, and his call to each and every one of us. I pray this happens to us every single day. God brings God's people into our lives and reminds us why he chose each and every one of us to do the ministry that we are called to do. Amen.